today I have actually two guests. So I have two founders of DMarket, our portfolio company. Uh, when you're an entrepreneur and this is a startup, uh, more or less 50% of the things, or sometimes even more, you do wrong. When you have to scale fast, you don't have that time. So the quicker we upgrade what we have in our head, the quicker it happens. It, and that's 75% that's of all the success. All of the success we have, it's because we have that curiosity. What's the next big step for you, that you the main challenge? We call ourselves uh, bridge builders for the metaverse. <laughs> Welcome to Almas podcast. This is Tanya Dadashova with Almas Capital and uh, today I have actually two guests. So I have two founders of DMarket, our portfolio company, Tamara Slanova and Vlad Panchenko. And uh, thank you Refurb for hosting us here in the office in uh, Vienna. Hey, hello everyone. Yeah, so uh, we actually have known each other like for five years as we have been discussing before the podcast started. So, and we have been investors for less than two. So it was the longest relationship, I think, before we actually invested among all our companies. No complaints. It was a wonderful, enriching and interesting relationship. So, it, no But it was, it was frustrating for us as investors because we couldn't invest. So when we first met you, and I think in like a year or so, you had your initial coin offering. So you didn't need any money. It was a very interesting relationship and we were happy to, to learn a lot about the company, but we couldn't convince you to, to there was no demarket at the moment. So when we met, there was just skins cash, and it was an idea, a cash cow bringing millions of dollars in revenues. So we were happy to build something new, and I was thinking about it, but we were still not there, and we didn't need, didn't need any more money for skins cash. But uh, yeah, I remember our meetings in the office, and uh, uh, Alex came, and or Sasha, I don't know how you call him. So yeah, uh, meet with the team, we discussing everything, and uh, his thoughts, his past, his future, and what you do, so it was always interesting. But yeah, honestly, it took us one, two, like three, three years to actually say, all right, so now we're ready to have some money. So how, how, how was it different having investors compared to having cash with uh, some um, virtual investors, let's say, investing in ICOs? I, can, uh, I think that, yeah, um, I think that it's also basically a blessing to find an investor who is a partner and who sees the world the way you see and who shares the values that you share. And that's basically, I think, what you have found also in us back then five years ago. And um, we already knew that this would be a, a synergy in action. This is the main thing what you get from let's say, classical investors, as opposed to the people that you don't know, right? Uh, but the um, responsibility that you feel uh, for your investors, no matter those ones who invested to, uh, in us like five years ago, or those ones who invested two years ago, or those ones who will come, it's basically the same. <laughs> Yeah, but it was probably like way easier to do experiments and try try and uh, make arrows when it was just some virtual investors behind your coin. We're very lucky with you. You allow us, you know, <laughs> yeah. to do mistakes one, one as well. Yeah. For, yes, yeah. for experimenting, yes. But sometimes I'm <laughs> We're calling. Very grateful for that. Sometimes I'm calling uh, you or Daniel or you both and asking, uh, well, I'm gonna try this. Are you fine with that? So whatever you do, just make it successful. So we're very comfortable. Uh, you just reminded me that I actually uh, remember very good our first meeting with Alexander in our office because I think we met at some conference or something, and then 
or the Dennis invited, or uh, whatever. We, we met before, and then he asked, can I come to your office? And when he came, uh, we booked like, I don't know, 45 minutes, uh, and all the team, we presented what we do, how it works, and then we spent like four hours just talking about everything. How we see the future, how it's gonna work, what's not gonna work, what was there, what was here. Uh, I, I remember so many details about what we were talking about from like uh, satellites, uh, uh, naval air bases and metaverse futures, everything was fun. Yeah. I think we clicked and then everything was much easier. Yeah, I remember the day as well because we had to move all the meetings further and further and uh, we, we spent only like a few days in Ukraine, but we actually loved your office. We loved coming there every time. Everybody's so excited. I think it's about building the team culture and somehow you managed to do it early on. Uh, well, uh, the idea was and um, it, it's still there and uh, not everybody is happy. I mean, we, we talk with other founders from other companies and when I share what we do, there's something like, what? And often uh, when it's an interview, a HR interview, um, we're asking about what role do you usually play when you play games? And um, other companies, not gaming ones, never ask you that question. But for me, it's obvious. So if you're playing World of Warcraft or uh, Destiny or Call of Duty or Counter-Strike, there's always a role. So you're our defense, offense, snipering, supporting. So And it's, you usually never switch. And it's all the same. What you will actually do in the team in the office is all the same. Lo mismo. So uh, maybe that helps. New HR practices. First, to make everybody play a game together. That we also sometimes do, especially with C-level people we hire. We, we go and we play. We have a little uh, club, like video games club in the office. And we play. We play before, after, and <laughs> while we work as well. We should do that at the next board meeting. Okay. So you're welcome. You, <laughs> choose, you choose the game and we choose the setting. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, uh, any any learnings, by the way, from that? So, so you did a lot of things right, but uh, any things that didn't go so good from the start that you had to, to change? What would you do differently in terms of the culture, setting the team? Well, as usual, uh, when you're an entrepreneur and this is a startup, uh, more or less 50% of the things, or sometimes even more, you do wrong. So, uh, I remember when a couple of years ago, maybe three, I was reading uh, Hard Things About Hard Things, and I was almost crying when reading the book because half of the things he, he wrote, I actually did, but half of them I did right and half of them I did wrong. And it's not a, um, like a, just an example, it's a, like written in lines exactly what I did right or exactly what I did wrong. So, but it's fine, we're yes. entrepreneurs, right? Yes. And uh, first businesses were built, they were cash cows. Um, it's, it's different when you just think about how much money you're gonna make tomorrow or you're constantly thinking about how big is the market you're conquering in the next three to five years. Very different perspective and a very different approach, right? It's, it's a very different, different approach, first of all, because when you have a small team, you start building it as a family-style company, let's say so. Kind of you sift uh, the people in the market uh, and you kind of um, try to find more a family member than uh, an employee who will perform certain job. And then when you have to scale fast, you don't have that time. You don't have that uh, luxury of, you know, choosing a family member, let's say so. You need to choose a professional who will fit in, uh, into your company and who will adhere to the codes and standards. So basically you start building this code of conduct of these standards and this 
culture inside, basically from scratch. Something that was intuitive now ha needs to be a handbook. <laughs> so oh, that was book. the challenge, yes. So that would be your mistake, which <laughs> we sometimes do. Yes. It's, it's, it's hard to switch in your own mind. So honestly, what I think that, and this is God, approved, this is, uh, and this is good and bad at the same time. So m most of the progress we did could be done three times quicker, but most of the uh, success is in our head not in any, anywhere else. So the quicker we upgrade what we have in our head, the quicker it happens. It, and that's 75% that's of all the success. So um, yeah, as Tamara said, it's different with the small company, with the bigger and bigger, but somehow it was done millions of times before with thousands of other founders, and it's written in the books, which I read every day. But sometimes you just look, look back and you think, Jesus, I've read about it, I thought I understood it, and I exactly did the same mistake I read about it. <laughs> but I had to live with that experience. So, um, do we do mistakes? A lot. But this is life of entrepreneurs. You have to fail fast. That's, I hope, yes. we do successfully. And learn from yes. mistakes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And the growing, growing the company, actually, it's uh, quite interesting because I think you come into a point where there would be the next step of scaling, where you don't even know most of the people in the team. And you mm. can't possibly know them. And it's completely different when you scale like to 200 people or so, uh, how, how, how you actually build this HR practices and everything, so. Well, we, uh, it's an interesting story that um, I just, maybe like a couple of weeks ago, I realized that uh, there are multiple founders, CEOs of different big companies, which we really, we talk with them a lot. Over the phone, over the chat, sometimes we meet like with, uh, I don't know, with Restream, Reface, uh, uh, the Preply, the uh, Ajax, uh, and uh, everyone is very friendly. Everybody is trying to help each other, and this kind of atmosphere, I, I, it's um, mm, it helps a lot because sometimes we're like we, well, it's entrepreneur's life. So every time you don't know how to you go to sleep, and then you just wake up two hours later uh, because you don't know how to sleep more because you're afraid of that something is not gonna happen or gonna happen, but. Uh, the culture somehow which was built, at least with those founders who always and constantly talk with each mm -hmm. other, we always try to help. We always try to think about how we can uh, turn on something or bridge something. It's a very interesting thing. I was discussing with somebody else and uh, I was told that sometimes this is how the business clubs are being formed. But I've never been in such one, but I, I'm happy that you can we establish have one. <laughs> no, I have to establish the metaverse. Come on. <laughs> Let's do it step by step, poka poka. But this business club will just meet in metaverse. Exactly, exactly. That's what I was really thinking about. <laughs> we play the games. Like, I don't know. It's sometimes somebody like Alex from some uh, Legion Farm, he's just texting, like, guys, let's just go and play one round in Call of Duty, and everybody, ah. Let's go. And like <laughs> but this is socializing. While we play, we talk, we discuss the problems, we help each other, but where we do it? In the video game. And everybody is somebody in San Francisco, somebody is in Moscow, somebody is in Hong Kong, somebody is in London, and everybody is we join together and we do it. Yeah, discuss business topics. Meanwhile, yeah. so it's like new kind of networking. Instead of golf club, you just do Call of Duty. Yes, I, yes. I, I can talk about golf because sometimes I have to play it. Um, I'm a big fan of the game, but not really. So I, I'm I'm a gamer, and I'm I'm mm, uh, I'm a choleric type of person. So for me, this uh, tranquilo type of game is not really my thing. But sometimes you have to do it. This is business development. <laughs> so.
Tamar and us more. <laughs> Don't play golf? No, I'm more a karate girl. So. <laughs> Tamar, I learned karate. So. You know, we all have certain things that coping mechanisms, something that help us to release the stress <laughs> and to kind of, and our own meditation techniques. <laughs> so you will have next to gaming room, karate room. Why will? Have oh, already into more or <laughs> Okay. That must make our next visit to your office more interesting. Ooh, yes. Sometimes every meeting is a character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. With Tamara, 50% at least. Yeah. Sounds like fun. Yeah, so uh, you probably your code of conduct is not that formal as well. It sounds. Well, it's formal. We tried. Uh, again, it's a funny story because. Um, as Tamara said, when we started to grow fast, especially with the first funding in 2017, the first thing we had to do was to establish this, that code of conduct. However, uh, I flew away for like six months to do the business development everywhere and was trying to catch our first business clients. And the code of conduct was very, let's say, vague, or it wasn't there just so. And this is why it wasn't uh, perfect how we formed the next big step from like 50 people to 200 people first time. Uh, but then we started to think about it, we started to read more books about it, again, coming back to <coughs> Egg and Ben Horowitz was the, uh, the, 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 um, the book about the culture in the company. Uh, you are what you do, not what you say, something like that. So we read it all together, so there was a, like a company reading uh, meetings, and then we uh, combined the, the conduct, but again, uh, it's a little bit longer, we should cut it in half, because it's like 15... Um, rules right now. But my favorite is that the most important part is self-irony. There is no such such word in English, actually. We were researching and talking to natives. There is no self-irony. They don't understand it. But, in, uh, th th but when you are like pulling your own slack, I don't know, then be able to do that. Very important. Because it's not always a win. It's sometimes a lose, sometimes a win, sometimes you're like in the middle. But if you're always learning from that and uh, uh, smiling, shining, and trying to, well, okay, let's do it again. <laughs> and you're doing it fair. Then it's going to work. At, at some point, it's going to work. Persistence. Yeah. Well, my, my favorite one is probably fostering inquisitive minds, because we try to um, kind of make people be, be creative, uh, try to think outside uh, of the box, and come out with uh, certain um, untrivial decisions and solutions. That's what we are kind of trying to, <laughs> to do. But again, this is us. So we're always curious, what's behind the next door? What's behind the next door? And uh, again, there are some like two sides of coin. So there is one side saying that you have to focus, focus, bitch. But then I understand that all of the success we have, it's because we have that curiosity. We're always like, we're not happy with what we have and what we see. We want to see what's next, what's next, what's next. So that's, that's what it's all about. But I don't think those are mutually exclusive. You can still focus and do experiments outside it and uh, just try to form it all in the same strategy. And I think that's what the company has been doing, at least since we've been the investor. Well, I, I, at least I try, I'm trying to comfort myself with the thought because being serial entrepreneurs, because this is the third company, first two made millions of dollars and still make them, so then it means that we are able to balance that. But I think it's about how you form the story. So, at least in venture capital world, it's always about the story you tell. 
And if you manage to, to, to create this, all this curiosity, all this next door, all these experiments to prove your story and to develop it further, because we, don't, we also don't know what's the next chapter. So we are looking for it together with you guys. <laughs> That's what makes it even more interesting, right? <laughs> Sometimes, uh, I just had maybe months ago a conversation with the leaders, with technology leaders in the company, and uh, then they were hiring another technology person but without me. So, and that guy, we actually hired him, um, and I asked him, what were you talking about? Just curious. He said, no, nothing so important, but one thing is that I asked him why you, you all, while you're working for so many years in the company, still there. And I said that because we do so many things which nobody has ever done before. And sometimes, and I know the persons, those persons who, when they say, wow, nobody did it before, let's not do it. But the other ones, ooh, nobody did that before. Let us try to do that. Yeah, that's how, how you choose the people for the task, yes, right? They, yes, so exactly. if they want something exactly. like this, it's the right person. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, but there, there is a lot of still tasks. So, well, well, what, what, what do you think is the, the next step? So, you, in, in terms of team, geography, culture, how do you see it? What's the next big step for you, that you the main challenge right mm -hmm. now? Tamara? Um, the main challenge, well, one of the constant challenges, as Vlad um, has already uh, said, is basically getting the right people on board, uh, the ones that will be <laughs> as curious as we are and um, as equipped for doing the job <laughs> as we want them to be. And that is a constant challenge. And uh, the more you grow, <laughs> the more challenging that, that becomes, right? Um, that's the first uh, one. In terms of um, opening the doors, uh, <laughs> the new doors, uh, then we probably <laughs> should tell you a bit about what we're doing at the moment, because we call ourselves uh, bridge builders for the metaverse, <laughs> so for us, like the, the next thing that we want to do is basically building another bridge. Yes, so maybe we'll tell you a bit more about the ones that we are building now, <laughs> for starters. Yeah, because 100% uh, for the startup, the main thing, especially in our stage, is the uh, mass adoption. Uh, but as usual, in my head, it's already there. <laughs> it's not on the documents, not still not, but in my head it's there. So what's next? That's what, that's what we constantly Positive think. Positive predictive thinking, right? Let's <laughs> just uh, maybe. Build, build it and they will come. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, something like that. So, but uh, um, recently what I realized when we've been pitching other people is that um, uh, what we do every time what we do was trading video games in digital form, trading things, skins, trading on the blockchain and building the connectors to the blockchain. It's all connected to living in that virtual world where like metaverse or matrix, call it whatever you want. And I was thinking, why the whole my life I'm consciously or unconsciously we're doing something always turning to that point. And I realized it, it's because I, for example, I'm reading lots of sci-fi books since I was a little kid. That's how I lost my sight, for example. And then we did the laser. So, and I still read a lot, and then I realized that maybe I was just hooked in the childhood, then I just wanted that to happen, and now I'm subconsciously making whatever it takes just to make it happen, and making some money on the way because I always need some new hardware, new software, <laughs> and something to help me do it. And when that clicked in my head, then I understood. Because I thought, uh, I've heard something about that, well, I think it was Jeff Bezos doing an interview, and he was saying that I was reading books like Isaac Asimov in my yeah. childhood, now I'm just building that because I can, and why not? I love it. 
And I was like, hmm, I'm learning as well. That's, that's the point. And oh, that was a release for me, and now I understand.